Hey everyone, Freddie here. Just a quick note before we start the show, we have some exciting news to share with you. My co-host Jack and his wife Lizzie have just had their first child, which is awesome. Um, but it does mean that we're going to be taking a break for the next month or so, just while Jack settles into all things parenthood. So enjoy this episode with Patrick Hill and uh, keep us in your feeds. We'll be back in around a month or so with some fresh episodes for you. Welcome to Episode Party, a podcast where we talk about our favourite podcasts. I'm Freddie Harrison. I'm Jack Tutor. And this week we are joined by Patrick Hill. Patrick is a developer, a community manager, and he's one half of the Master of One podcast. He's also my colleague and co-worker, so he's a man of many, many talents. Um, hey Patrick, how are you doing? Hey, what's up? Oh, I'm doing great. Super excited to be here. Oh, we're All super right. excited to have you, and um, I'm really excited to discuss your podcast recommendation as well, because uh, that came at a really interesting time, but we'll get back into that later on but first this week jack is leading the show jack tell us a little bit about your podcast sure thing i mean firstly i should say this seems to be another accidentally thematic podcast but i guess we'll let that (laughs) unfold over time as we talk about all the recommendations so my podcast is called material matters with grant gibson grant gibson being a writer british writer and it's interviews with makers artists and craftspeople about one specific material that they work with most prominently so you've got interviews with makers about porcelain another about glass another about timber and the podcasts tend to be set at the maker's studio so the whole thing comes in the ambience of workspaces workshops you know artist studios you get that lovely reverberant quality you get the sense you're in some kind of like cool hard surfaced space as you're listening to these interviews they tend to be about 40 minutes long and the first portion often is biographical so you go into the history uh, of these makers and how they came into craft yeah how they discovered their physical material of of choice um I really like this portion of the interview because you you hear about the trajectory that these people went on uh, and how they got into working with the material. I'm someone who, Freddie will no doubt attest, I I work so much more comfortably in the abstract realm than I do with physical materials. I mean, us building the (laughs) shed in our garden, Freddie, was very much you taking the lead and me trying not to, you know, penetrate my thumb with a nail. Um, But when we did need a philosophical discussion about how the shed was coming together, you were so on it. (laughs) That's true, actually. I have my. What would the shed have looked like if you had built it by yourself? Uh, Probably a boat or something. I don't know. Not a usable one. (laughs) Would have sunk. (laughs) But who knows? I mean, you know, if we get the opportunity to rebuy a shed, perhaps we'll find out as some kind of abstract art project. So. I really like hearing about these makers because they do definitely seem to have a trajectory that leads them to the place that they are and those you know initial sparks of of being interested in their particular material. The one that I 
asked you guys to listen to is with Simon Tenhompel, who works most prominently with metal and silver as well. And she talks about getting her first toolbox. Uh, she talks also very interestingly about growing up with dyslexia and how that was very much misunderstood by both her peers in school and her teachers. And she was um, often considered to be someone who was slow, not very intelligent, but obviously her intelligence was in material. And Simon talks fascinatingly about her relationship with metal and working with metal. She has this very theoretical approach to what she does. I love the way that she has, like, I think this comes with age because I don't have this, but so much conviction about the questions and inquiries that she's putting into her work with materials. So she talks about working with spoons uh, and the fact that uh, querying really how a spoon uh, is both a vessel for holding things, it's something you put in your mouth, and, and really drilling down to what that means, like what's the ultimate function of a spoon. She talks about, you know, when making tea pots like how do you create a teapot where the liquid pours out at the right rate and isn't just spurting out everywhere there's a lot of very precise questions she's asking and they're all wrapped in this really sort of lucid uh, means of articulating these problems I, I really found her fascinating and I think Grant as well is someone who's clearly grown up in this environment and and knows the right questions to ask to bring these questions uh, answers out of these makers they're not always people who are the most verbally articulate and I guess that's because they communicate most comfortably through material and through making things. But I think it's an important podcast. There's actually an episode on something called Material Intelligence where a writer, I can't remember his name, but talks about this idea of important to engage with the materials that we have in our lives and understand their origins because obviously we're entering, a, 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 or have entered rather, a, a, an existence where we have a lot more of a ephemeral interaction with physical things and, and a lot more interaction with digital things so our relationship with physical stuff has been stunted perhaps so he goes into that there and I think it kind of lays out almost like a thesis for the podcast so I love it I, I think this episode is particularly strong because Simone is just like I mean she's a teacher as well so she speaks with such clarity about what she's talking about big fan of it Freddie what you think <laughs> yeah, this one was interesting. I mean, I think first and foremost, I have to commend Grant Gibson for being a very good interviewer. I yes. have mentioned on this show a couple of times before that I used to work at an arts university and working with artists in general. In fact, you'll understand this, Jack, because you, you've interviewed artists, like specifically you've interviewed a lot of sound artists. Patrick, I know you've interviewed like designers um yes and i don't know i and i i think that the difference is that designers tend to have kind of an empathetic streak where they kind of know what you're trying to get out of them and they're very good at prioritizing and putting a hierarchy to information so they're very good at saying the thing you need them to say and i find that artists in general are really difficult to interview because they kind of operate on their own level and they've got their own kind of train of thought and you just kind of have to insert yourself in that train of thought somehow and like get yes a conversation <laughs> going where you want it to go and Grant seems to do this so well in this podcast. Like, he's a really, he's clearly done his research, like, to 
a very high level. And as Simone is talking about different things that he's kind of got her off, started to talk about, he managed to just kind of dip in again and go, oh, well, yeah, but you did this, didn't you? And he's yes. brought in this little bit of knowledge that he knows, and he just subtly nudges the conversation into the narrative that he kind of wants the conversation to go with and i just think that's fantastic like i think that's a really difficult thing to do it's a real skill like we've mentioned before again on this podcast that jack you and i we we studied journalism at university and we so we learn how to interview people and stuff and it's difficult it's really difficult to like have half of your mind on like what's being said to you at that moment and half your mind on like okay what do i need to say and what do we need to talk about next yeah totally and, and, and i think he does a fantastic job of it which is great because simone clearly like especially when she's starts getting into how she makes stuff and her kind of you know the way she talks about the fact that her hands know what she's doing and how she gets a taste of things and stuff like that yeah, that's, that's pretty so like good. philosophical and it's great it's really good and like i, I knew you'd love it jack i could tell <laughs> that this is the kind of thing you'd really like um, yeah but it, it's super philosophical and he's trying to like chart this kind of story and and get to these different points that he wants to talk about so he has this really good way of kind of just butting into the conversation as she's kind of talking about these things and asking questions which i think is fantastic i guess the one thing that i really wanted from this podcast which i didn't get or maybe i didn't hear on first listen was i, I really like the idea of the podcast which is you know talking about like to makers and their relationships and the materials they use i really wanted to hear more specifically about silver i don't know why i think there was a bit yeah. of that in there and and I, I but there wasn't as much as i really really wanted and i'm guessing maybe there's other episodes where that becomes more prominent i had a quick look earlier because i was really intrigued to see if there's an episode about concrete because as far as like a, a sculptural building artistic material i find concrete really fascinating i don't think there is and there moment, isn't is there no so you know, Grant, please make a find someone who does great stuff with concrete and talk to them. I'd love to. I'd love to hear that. But I'm going to listen to some others because I want to hear how the kind of conversation varies depending on uh, who who Grant's interviewing. So yeah, that's that's me. I, I enjoyed it. I, I like I say, there's there's something I felt like was missing for me, but I also really appreciated how much effort and work grant clearly puts into his prep and his interviewing um and i like that it was in her studio as well like the audio quality you know is never as good when that's the case like as opposed to sitting in a studio but it, it was you know i think that's part of it that's oh, part of the that's part of the charm 100 percent. i mean the combination of the audio quality along with grant's accent because obviously i don't share the accent so that actually made it a, a bit tough initially like there was a small barrier for me to kind of settle in the groove of listening for uh, Simone, in uh, listening to her talk, it was a bit like reading a book, but you know, you're know you in the middle of reading a paragraph and you're not sure that you could articulate what the first three sentences you just read actually <laughs> said. Right. And so I was listening to Simone talking and it just was not connecting with me at all until I pulled up her work. And once I was staring at her work and then I could pair the concept she was referring to, or I was giving those concepts context by, by actually having the visual, then it suddenly just brought so much clarity and I thought it was fantastic and wonderful. But I really had to see what she was talking about because her on her own, it was just a very kind of ethereal Yes. listening to her talk about it, which, which it, again, it's just a, a barrier to getting into the show. Maybe if I listened to other episodes before, that would have lowered that barrier. But going into this fresh, uh, it, it was a bit difficult to get into. But again, once I saw her work, beautiful, made sense, I got it. But it took that extra step for me. 
Very interesting, yeah. I think what's curious about that is I, I definitely felt a connection to what she was talking about prior to seeing her work, but the way that she spoke about material, when it was removed from the material itself, when I couldn't see the material, sounded to me a lot like the interviews I've done with musicians. <laughs> like, there seems to be uh -huh. a common through line for people working when translating, like, ideas into a, a completely different format, that they're wrestling with the same stuff. I know what you mean. There's something very nebulous about the way that she is talking about these things. I can totally see, actually, how just having the images right in front of you, you can almost impress Simone's hands onto that image as you're listening to the interview and listening to her, her talk about it. So that's really curious. She was talking about the, uh, you know, the exploration of kind of all the states of what a spoon could be and then I, I wasn't realizing in that moment that literally she has dozens and dozens and dozens of kind of spoons in different states and takes on spoons yeah. and proportions. And actually, it, it could be that some of it was less abstract than I realized. Like some of the speech was actually <laughs> more direct than I kind of understood that she was being until I saw the work. So. Yeah, yeah. I think um, as well, Freddie, you mentioned the fact that there wasn't lots of talk on silver, which is definitely something that comes up in this episode, I think. I wonder whether that's a marketing decision to not call it a podcast on metal so that then Grant can <laughs> open up the possibility of talking about other metals in the future. Because that's definitely the case with this episode that isn't so true with the others, whereby you're like, when's the silver coming in? And it doesn't seem <laughs> to address silver straight on. So I hear you on that one. Ah, fair enough. Cool. Well, nice one. Thanks, guys, for giving that a punt. All right, next podcast. Patrick, it's yours. Tell us oh, all about man, it. Oh, man, already. So <laughs> quick. So, yeah, so Disneyland for designers. And this podcast has a very close place in my heart. So the two hosts are Mark Bricky and uh, Jared Mariama. And um, the podcast is exploring Disneyland through the eyes of a designer. So looking at the decisions that are, are made, the way things are cut back, whittled away, but again, making them in such a way that they ultimately support the vision, the, the grander vision of the design uh, and of the story. So uh, a bit about Mark and Jared. So I actually uh, have interviewed both Mark and Jared before, uh, ah. and I've, I've actually done... Um, so Mark Bricky, who, who's been to Disneyland hundreds of times, I've gone with him and done... Uh, what he has nicknamed his Brickyland tour, where he actually, me and him and a couple other people just have gone through the park together and it kind of experienced the park through Mark's excitement. So I, <laughs> I have some other context that you don't both have, which is, uh, I think is going to be interesting to see uh, kind of your read on it. But for those that haven't listened to Mark before, uh, he has a show called Adventures in Design, and he's a very polarizing figure. I mean, some episodes, he just sounds angry or aggressive or like he takes really hard stands on things and normally if you ask people you know how do you feel about mark bricky or how do you feel about aid their response is either i love him he's the best ever or i hate him and he's the worst ever <laughs> nobody really lives in that center area be just because he brings out strong emotions either positive or negative now disneyland is a soft spot for him he turns into such like uh, just a teddy bear puppy dog whatever <laughs> when 
like this heart of a child comes out when you enter when you talk about Disneyland. And I think that for me, having at first I knew about Mark secondhand, and then I got to meet him, which is always a different experience, and he was great. But then once I got to see him kind of in Disney in his element. I, it just humanized him in just a, a whole nother way. And so I, I just absolutely have uh, really, uh, I hold him in very high regard. Now, the co-host, Jared Mariama, if you're not familiar with him, he kind of illustrates all things cute. All right, so he does Kingdom <laughs> of Cute, which is a toy line for Disney, and he he has work in in Wonderground. He has a very clear style that that he does that's his. But it's just if you can take something and add frosting and sprinkles, like he's gonna do that. Like, um, <laughs> and so, but pairing those two guys together, two guys I really love, and then uh, but also two very smart, very knowledgeable, very gifted, talented people. And then kind of unleashing them and allowing them to do these deep dives into Disney, I, I just find fascinating. So that that's a bit about some of the context for the episode if you're going to give one of these a listen. But um, I had y'all listen to the latest episode they have, which was about the Haunted Mansion because the anniversary of the Haunted Mansion uh, is coming up. And I'm totally happy to tell you my thoughts and feelings on the episode. And I'm going to do that. But I want to flip this. And I actually first want to hear from y'all what you both thought about it, knowing nothing, uh, having not heard of this before, or assuming you haven't. Freddie, just I'll throw it to you. What what did you think of this episode? What was your experience with the uh, hour and whatever runtime? Sure. I mean, for a start, you've just flipped the format on its head. So let's just, um, I'm, I'm just glad you're on for that reason, because uh, <laughs> that means you're worth your weight in gold here. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, this was, this was awesome. I, I, I was quite excited when you put this across to me, because I have, um, I have a friend, uh, a guy called Rob Zwetslut, he's a, he's, he's a, he used to work at a publishing company with me years and years ago. He's a big Disney fan. And he did a whole Twitter thread the other day about the Haunted Mansion and a lot of the story behind it, some comparisons with the different haunted mansions in the different parks all over the world and I remember uh, replying to his tweet and, and replying and saying dude you've got to do a podcast about this so for you then to come and give me this podcast like maybe a week later it was fantastic because you made something a reality that I didn't know existed um, I still want to hear Rob do it but I was really appreciative that this came up uh, also I should say that my, my girlfriend Laura is a massive Disney fan so we Perfect. listened to this together and she was adding all these additional details um <laughs> into the story as we were going along and she she knows she knows a, a, for someone who's not who's not been she knows a lot i've been a couple of times um and it was great i never actually did the haunted mansion because i was a scared kid yeah um, um but I, I but having having listened to this now i'm like right okay it gotta gotta go next time i really really enjoyed it um I, i'm not familiar with mark or jared at all so this was the, these these guys were new to me but it was clear from the off that they obviously know their stuff and and that's always a good start and what struck me immediately was just how brilliantly natural and conversational the whole thing was like there was no point where it felt forced or like they were running off a script or they were reading show notes or like it felt like they were having a very open and interesting conversation but they hit so many different points at the same time and I think their focus in the episode was really interesting because they focused on this kind of formative time for the Haunted Mansion the kind of the very early stages before it launched and and when it launched and they looked at it from this interesting angle which i mean it makes sense with with the podcast um you know which was you know what were the designers who were 
working on it thinking and feeling and what was their process and what were their challenges but it was very like it wasn't necessarily completely about like the practical challenges of it like the physical challenges like what's the building like what's the location right and all the rest of it there was a lot of like how they were feeling you know they talk about the whole bit about the command end thing when you're looking at a blank page and how you do stuff and you know that then there's a very important part of this which is it's like kind of the first ride that launched after Walt died that he had some hand in before he died but like you know wasn't really there to guide it all the way through Mm -hmm. in the way that he did with so many other things and that listening to them talk about from a designer's perspective as designers what that must feel like to have effectively your creative director disappear or pass away halfway through that process or at the very beginning of that process was super interesting and the last thing I'll say on it before I kind of hand over to Jack is that I I think they absolutely these guys know what they're doing with the podcast because the bit I really wanted to listen to was the 13 things they both liked about it and and you're like oh okay i gotta pay for that um which is brilliant if they want to make money and it was just so it was like almost frustrating but i can't blame them because you know people gotta make money you gotta gotta make a living for sure make a living so yeah that's that's how i felt about it but i i enjoyed it and i'm intrigued to dive into some of the other episodes yeah uh this one gave me very mixed feelings patrick which i think is interesting for a podcast i think presented by someone as you say who is definitely a divisive character you pick up on that i think from this episode i mean i've always said i remember when i've played in bands before that sometimes the best reaction you can get when you're playing a live show is that half the people leave the room because you've sucked in half the people and the other half are outraged that you're there and you're generating extreme reactions which you know sometimes are difficult for people to stomach and some people they click and get it right away but basically means that you're being totally forthright and sincere in what you're doing and that definitely seems to be mark's approach which is just kind of like you know i'm gonna put forth what i think i'm gonna do away with the airs and graces and you know let's see how you get on with it which i absolutely admire i found the first 10-15 minutes quite difficult because he starts with a quite an endearing intro about i can't remember the exact wording but opening your heart to the magic of disney and then he goes into quite a lengthy tirade about some things that have been said on youtube about certain aspects of the park i tend to find rants about what people have said on the internet either on social media or youtube quite tedious to listen to i think especially at this length and particularly when it's kind of framed in the thing of nobody should really criticize disneyland because it's all there for fun which i struggle with a little bit i really started to enjoy the podcast when they turned their attention to the haunted mansion because you really felt both jared and mark coming forward and it felt like that they'd sort of done a bit of prep but ultimately they were just speaking from the top of their head because they just had this stuff at the tip of their tongue like and also as well the words were kind of like bursting up through their chest because they really want to talk about this stuff that felt really evident and i think that's a real art form when you can just say right we're going to talk about this this week and then do pretty much no prep and just make the podcast work there wasn't really like a solid structure it just weaved in and out just kind of found a direction based on what was kind of driving their intrigue at the moment that they were talking about it which i think gave the podcast conversation a real authenticity i loved 
a lot of the insight. So when they were talking about the evolution of animatronics, they just touched on it a little bit and how it's gone from these gigantic NASA-style rooms of instruments which are all just coordinating the tiniest movement in these characters in these, these rides was amazing. And now, obviously, it's just so deft and such high mm-hmm. quality. I did want some more meat on the Haunted Mansion itself and the things inside it. I think, as you say, Freddie, it was really fascinating to hear about the process and thought, sort of the mindset of the designers themselves. I I would have loved more on the mansion, but obviously that becomes clear in the end why they've made the decision to sort of tiptoe around the edge of a lot of the, the bulk of what this podcast would otherwise be about because they're saying, look, you need to get the premium content in order to get the 13 things that are our favourite in the Haunted Mansion. I absolutely agree. It's obviously something that's essential if a podcast wants to make money and I really admire, I think, the hard sell that they've gone for because people are definitely finding their feet with how to make money through podcasts and I think these guys have definitely sat down and been like, right, how can we get this up and running how can we get some commitment out of people to pay for stuff and obviously it's such a luxury to get stuff for free i just felt a bit cheated that this was a podcast about haunted mansion that ran for an hour and then the 13 best bits are completely absent um and then obviously you get that bit at the end which is a minute of them starting the episode of the premium content and then it just fades out and fizzles away in front of you which is like oh but I thought for a second there was a streaming error and I yes. got something for free <laughs> there. And I'm pretty sure that was design by design. And I was just like, and then it started fading out. And I was like, no, no, yes. don't stop. <laughs> it's it brutal. And obviously as well on their website, I went on Adventures in Design and then about two minutes in, you get this huge pop-up which comes up and says like, pay for Adventures in Design, pay, you know, a tenner a month, uh, $10 a month or whatever. And I don't know if it was my browser, but I couldn't find a way to get that pop-up to go away. So they're clearly like, right, let's make some money out of this somehow let's make this a viable thing it's quite distracting it's 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 i think as someone who's just wants to try this stuff out it it feels like that yeah you are getting quite a brutal hard sell but ultimately i think yeah I, i understand why they've made that decision you know it's so much of it is about uh the culture you're from as well so my understanding is depending on the part of the world that you're in there are some people groups that totally under like it, it naturally understand the need of of supporting content creators sure. uh where i live if you choose to make stuff free people will take it for free and that's just the way it is mark does actually make a living podcasting it, he uh he basically I, I won't tell his story for him because he tells his story other places probably behind a paywall that's just a joke <laughs> um, but but he does talk about the fact that he made the decision of you know basically i've got x number of weeks of money where i can support myself and so either this work or I'm completely broke at the end of it. And he just pulled the plug and said, I'm doing this full time now. And then hopefully by the end of it, I can keep doing it full time. Uh-huh. And uh, and so it's, and, and that's what he does. So he, he does absolutely make a living at it. And you do have to be aggressive on some level to make a living. And again, I mm-hmm. think culturally it can feel more okay or less okay depending on where you are but honestly i don't know that there's many other ways that he could go about it uh and get the results he's gotten so uh i am glad to hear you know what's funny is i love that both of you mentioned that it just feels so natural and off the cuff and what i would uh submit is that I think it is a lot more planned out than any of us realize. Sure. And that's just how good that they are, that they can collectively control that conversation in such a way 
that it feels like it's off the cuff, but knowing Mark the way I know Mark, he knew exactly the places they were going to go. So yeah, the uh, you know, it's funny, I, I won't say much about the content of The Haunted Mansion. I, I did think there were probably four or five moments where so I listened to this on a run and there were probably four or five moments I wish I was at my desk so I could jot a note down because they made a comment that I I really thought was a kind of a gem yeah um but my favorite discussion of the episode weirdly enough was actually uh the talk about galaxy's edge the part that you didn't like jack really and and i it it, you know it's one of those things that certain things have happened uh recently that that just made it a very appropriate time but i liked sparking that conversation of just saying that we have a online culture that allows us, it just allows us to kind of shit on this thing over here. And then, and then that's your fault. You have to answer for it or not answer for it. But it's not, you know, it's not my fault for being a jerk. I, I can say whatever I want to say. And because you're the content creator, you're the one that, again, has to answer for it or deal with it. And uh, it's just, a, it's a kind of odd thing because any other like public spaces, we would look down on that or we wouldn't like it or or it would be frowned upon but we do it in a a probably the most public technically forum and it's celebrated you know i was seeing something today where there's this huge backlash because um and i'm i'm not saying the backlash is right or wrong i'm just acknowledging there's backlash there's huge backlash about a video game because one of the developers came out and said you know i remember when all of our fans weren't a bunch of assholes <laughs> <laughs> and um and there is a bit of it of like sometimes the the it's weird how the the biggest fans uh can be just the absolute biggest jerks about something and it, it's just this this bizarre juxtaposition dichotomy one of those words it's just this bizarre thing that takes place and i don't know why it's i don't know why it's a a accepted celebrated thing that that an artist always has to defend themselves and anybody else that talks trash is like thumbs up to you and i of course i'm not saying that's what you're saying but there was part of that that i think was touched on uh, by Mark that I appreciated that conversation being opened up. That's really interesting. I think we come at this from, I think, o- not opposite ends of the spectrum, because I think there's a few bits there that I agree with. I think um, the debate on the internet is kind of inevitable and extremity of opinion can be found on the internet if you want to find it. And in some senses, I think that's wonderful because I think disagreement and discourse around everything is is valuable and healthy i think i don't know i feel like for me it was a sense that mark had gone and found stuff on on youtube that then spoke against you know the stuff that he believed in and probably as well it was the algorithm that was presenting him with that content because it knew that it would get a reaction out of him I think it just becomes then, of course, everyone's, you know, you're going to have people who fall on the exact opposite end of the spectrum to you and going to express that online. And I would say that that's the the kind of beauty of it. I don't know whether I I, I need to hear someone saying, I don't, I think people should just treat Disneyland as a place of fun. Like we shouldn't have a culture where Disneyland is critiqued, where I'm like, actually, for me, that's the, the part of the internet that I value is the the ability of people to be able to come out and and put their opinion forward and have it on a a platform where maybe it can be listened to or and people can react but i i don't know whether i feel there's an obligation for mark to have reacted and to 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 defended disney or whether it's just enough for all those opinions to exist out there 
Um, so I, I think I took it as not a uh, a negative opinion is not a valuable opinion. It is the it's this celebration and camaraderie around. Let's be negative almost for the sake of being negative. Mm. I I see this a lot with we t- we tend to review a lot of pop culture stuff. And there are certain fans, and Star Wars fans are one of the fan groups, but there's a couple of fan groups in particular that, actually Disney Disney fans are one of the other fan groups, that they really hold tight to kind of their reminiscence about a thing, okay? And so um, so what you do is you you have this situation where if you go to update something, well then either you strayed too far from the original and it's bad, or if you go to update it, well, now you're just doing the same thing again, so now you didn't bring any creativity to it, so it's bad. <laughs> and it's like, any way you go, it's bad. Uh, you know, I think in terms of the Lion King remake, which just came out, I mean, so many people were upset about the movie. One end of the spectrum is upset because, well, you're just telling the same movie again, so it's just a money-making scheme, right? You didn't do anything new, you just retold the same story. And then you have another story that says, well, you strayed too far. Why, why isn't the animation the same? You should have done the animation. It should have been more in that style. And, and so all these people are upset um, when it's possible there's a, a much more innocent explanation, which is that it's a modern update for a new generation of kids. Totally plausible explanation that isn't something to get upset about. Um, we saw this happen with some of the, the Disneyland renovations. We saw this happen with the, uh, the, the auctioneer inside uh, Pirates. Um, and now we're seeing this happen with Star Wars. We saw this happen with Ryan Johnson's Star Wars film. Again, it seems like a lot around Disney and Star Wars. But I think there's this attitude that with whatever you do, we're going to complain. Because somehow by complaining, that means we're protecting something. And if we come across as protecting it, that means we're the truest type of fan. I think it's a very twisted nobility. And, uh, and it's fine to have criticism, but there's a bit of it that just seems stretching to find criticism as opposed to just saying, hey, I could just enjoy something because it is kind of fun and I don't, have to, I don't have to turn it into this big noble grand discussion. So again, I think there's specific people groups I find it with and that's how I was interpreting that part of the conversation. I, I mean, beautifully articulated. Yeah, I could talk about this for so long, I guess. I know. We could uh, stray <laughs> from podcasts entirely here. but um... Freddie, you just wrap up yours quickly. We'll just do a second episode <laughs> that's all of this. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I told So the funny, I told Freddie before this, I told Freddie uh, earlier this week that I was going to purposely bring something. I say purposely. I, w- I knew I was going to bring something that was going to be at least a bit controversial. So I'm glad Great. that I'm glad yeah. that I could uh, bring that to the show. Uh, but that's that's all I had to say. I, I would say if you like uh, the creative stuff, check out AID. If you don't like the Star Wars stuff, or, or I should say the Disney stuff, that's fine. There, there's a lot of shows under that kind of umbrella. So just browse through some of the other shows. You will love it or you will hate it. But you're not going to have a, a mediocre reaction or, or an average reaction. You will feel strongly one way or the other if you listen to this guy. Nice. It's always good to feel strongly, I think, yeah. And for the extended discussion about uh, criticism of different Our things between Patrick criticisms. and Jacks, we will be, uh, we'll be, we'll be putting that behind a paywall. So um, you'll, have yeah. to, uh, you'll have to pay for that. Nice. Send Jack $100 and then, uh, and then we will uh, yell at each other for you. Yeah. <laughs> 
Fantastic. All right. Well, hopefully we'll we'll end on perhaps an uncontroversial note. I'm I'm pretty sure I can read the room and presume that everyone thinks the moon landing here was real. Um, so let's start from that real broad base and and go I'm from, from there. I'm from America. Is... You can't assume anything. <laughs> no, this is very true. But I also I presume you're pretty level-headed, Patrick. Um, right. So th- this this is a podcast called 13 Minutes to the Moon. Um, I have no idea where this came into my life, but I picked up on it and I read. 13 Minutes to the Moon, a podcast about Apollo 11 and the moon landing, scored by Hans Zimmer. Now, I made a bit of a mistake here because I read Scored by Hans Zimmer, and I thought this was going to be a dramatic retelling with a whole score by Hans Zimmer. (laughs) Turns out Hans Zimmer did the theme music, which is still great. Still good theme music, classic Hans Zimmer, um, but it, it just kind of plays at the beginning, and then and then we get into a normal, fairly straightforward podcast. However, I'm probably not giving it the credit it deserves here because it is a very good podcast. It's hosted by a guy called Kevin Fong, and he is wonderfully knowledgeable. He clearly has some contacts because he has a history in this area, and he's put together this this brilliant retelling that's at times quite dramatic because he makes it quite dramatic, but ultimately very enlightening and very factful piece about the Apollo 11 mission and um, and everything that went on there. And he takes it kind of piece by piece. And there are th- 11 episodes, 12 episodes, and um, I'm not even all the way through yet, which I'm pretty shocked at. I've been trying to get through them as quick as I can, but I'm not, not very quick. But the one I shared with you was uh, the episode called Long Island Eagle, which was episode three. And that was about the lunar landing module and the making of that and the creation of that. And I just think it was like a really, I mean, the the whole podcast, I just think is like, I'm learning so much. And I thought I knew about the moon landing and I thought I knew about Apollo 11. Um, And then I listened to this and I'm, I'm actually learning a whole bunch of stuff I've never heard before. So the podcast they have some really really good interviewees like really really knowledgeable people people who were who were there who were involved who were doing these things and they just add so much color to a thing that i kind of knew on the periphery i knew it as an event in history um but i didn't know the level of detail behind it and i find it fantastic and i think one of the more interesting bits to me something that i know in the design community people are very guilty of me myself included which is that a lot of people came to this looking at these lunar landing modules and looking at the design and thinking, why does it look like that? We could we could make it real streamlined. We could make it look like a car, you know. And then you find out that those things don't matter in space and they don't matter <laughs> on the moon because there isn't the friction there that having a streamlined object is going to make any difference. And actually, this is all about weight. This is all about how light can we make this thing so that the fuel in it goes for as long as possible. And in the end, the fuel in it is the thing that makes that mission a success to an extent. You know, the the the, the you know the ability for them to do what they need to do and land where they needed to land is is all part of it. And so, you know, the story basically builds up. And I think this is a this is a good episode to start at. I think you could start from the beginning, but I personally found this episode. I think you could skip the first two and the, and the third one is great. The second episode, Kids in Control, is really interesting because it talks about the fact that most of the mission control people and a lot of people involved in the Apollo 11 mission were in their like mid-20s, which yeah. is wild to me. In my head, all of these people were like 50-year-old men. 
and they're not. And <laughs> it's slightly depressing because I'm thinking, like, what was I doing in my mid-twenties? I was not landing things on the moon. Um, so I skipped that one for that sake because I didn't want us to feel sad about that. Um, so uh, we've gone we've gone to this one about um, the, the eagle. Anyway, I am rambling on for too long. Um, Patrick, what, what did you think? So I, I, I love this subject, by the way. Um, I One of my favorite films, uh, in fact, my favorite film from the last year was, uh, or last year was First Man, the film with Ryan Gosling, right, uh, which is yeah. about mm-hmm. the Apollo 11 mission. I, it, just a, a complete snub in my mind that it wasn't up for uh, the best film Oscar. And then uh, the documentary Apollo 11 by CNN Films. Have y'all had a chance to see that by any chance? No, I haven't, no. Fantastic. So uh, Apollo 11, uh, you know, is trying to give you uh, more insight into all these kind of like uh, mini missions and preparations that took place in order for the landing to happen Um, and then just a a brief bit about the post that and again very 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 well done the documentary by CNN just says you know like it it is literally from launch till touchdown or splashdown like it just takes that piece of it it doesn't talk about any of the preparation leading up to it it doesn't talk about anything after the fact it's just trying to show you the the launch to splashdown and it only tells the story with you know archive footage pre-recorded interviews all that kind of stuff and so i had seen both those things in the last year and so i feel like i had a pretty good grasp on it and and once you kind of watch more stuff about a topic it demystifies it and you kind of feel like oh i could i you know i see how that happens i could do that (laughs) uh not me personally but like it it removes (laughs) some of the the magic to it right some of the smoke and mirrors and then i listened to this podcast which i thought was gonna further remove some of the magic and it did the complete opposite thing. Like, I listen <laughs> to this podcast, and you're right. It's a bunch of kids, and they're working with things that, like, a completely untested environment and, un, you know, to a degree, untested equipment, you know, uh, for, like, the scenario they're in, and get it right on the first shot. You know, and it's just, it's really mind-blowing. Yes, there was an incredible amount of preparation. Yes, there was an incredible amount of uh, knowledge and, and planning and forethought and all those things. But at the end of the day, they attempted that landing and they got it right the first time they attempted it. And it's, you know, they didn't just smash someone into the surface. And it's just, the, <laughs> it's just fascinating. It was just fascinating to kind of be reminded of the sheer power and the sheer luck, you know? I, I think, <laughs> what is that? Like opportunity is where preparation and luck meet um, <laughs> yeah. or, or whatever it is. I probably totally butchered that, and that's fine. Or maybe no luck <laughs> is where preparation and something opportunity meet. That's probably what it is. But the right. point is, you really got uh, the feeling of that intersection when you're listening to this podcast, which I like. Production on it is great. It felt like uh, you know I would gather my family and we would sit around the old wooden radio and listen to this while we ate dinner. That's kind of the feeling <laughs> I got with like the level of production of this. So uh, I don't think you're going to walk away from a show like this disappointed. Uh, given that you're excited about the subject matter. Oh, well, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm glad it was a hit. Jack, what do you make of it? Yeah, no, on this occasion, I agree with all of the above. Patrick, I think it was brilliant. I thought it was really well produced. I thought it's paced beautifully as well. I think it feels a bit like a British radio lab, but without that 
nauseating sense of speed that Radiolab can have, which is ironic considering they're talking about space travel. I was going to compare it to NPR's Radiolab. I don't know if those are similar or different, but that's oh, literally what I was thinking. So, yeah, I meant as in like it's it's like a British version of Radiolab. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I agree entirely. Uh, I think what's great is the fact that obviously the title is 30 Minutes to the Moon, and 30 Minutes sounds so utterly fleeting i think this episode in particular makes you realize the amount of deliberation uh, deliberation and calculation that goes into every single second of that 30 minutes which is wonderful and how it was all dependent on the cutting edge of, of technology and engineering at that time i think um most of the really really interesting facts that i've come across about the moon landing reside on that contrast between what was being done at the time and the technological situation we find ourselves in now and the absolute sort of flimsy peril you feel like that they're in at the time because there's so little that's keeping them from the vacuum of space i think there's one point in this episode i think it was, was it buzz aldrin one of the guys says that you could have pierced the wall of the lem with a, a pen and it was as thick as a <laughs> coke can that was the only thing keeping them from the vacuum I, I also saw first man last year and the f- opening scene of that is the most rickety and terrifying thing and you realize that the technology and the construction of these machines feels anything but stable and okay uh, i love the array of voices that have come together to tell the story of this generation of this lem it's wonderful i think i think when you're talking to engineers as well obviously there's a tendency that things can go very specialist and off track and i think thanks to the editing and the presenting and and probably the framing of the questions as well everything feels very salient to a complete layman like me which is wonderful you're never really left behind and also that's surprising because the chronology of the story flits about so it's not told you know from the construction through until the landing there's moments where it flits to the moment where they're trying to land it and then back to the construction Uh, and also you've got this wonderful array of fidelities as it's going between like the muffled sound of old documentary interviews to present day interviews to the transmissions from the shuttle itself so you've got this really nice undulating sense of fidelity and sonic quality as well which i think is very deliberately played with and alternated to keep things feeling fresh and interesting the whole thing flew by in actually what felt like 13 minutes rather than like the 40 minute running time that it did have so i thought this was totally fabulous yeah Oh, I'm really glad. I'm, I, I, I like I say at the beginning of this, like this was not the podcast I thought it was going to be when I first downloaded it, and mm. I, in in many ways, I'm disappointed it wasn't the podcast I thought it was going to be because the podcast in my head is great. Um, but then that's always the case, isn't it? But uh, at the same time, like I don't care because this podcast is also very, very good, and it's and it's one of those like you know something's good when you build up an idea of how good something's going to be in your head, and then the thing that you actually get in reality is nothing like the thing in your head, yet you still enjoy it yeah and that's kind of that that to me feels like a good indicator of when something's going well or when something's successful um so yeah yeah, i'm a a big fan i can't wait to finish it i'm slowly getting there slowly getting the way through and um i'm very excited but um i'm glad that we we're all in agreement on that one um right patrick (laughs) people who are listening to the podcast right now will know that well we should have gathered by now this is not your first rodeo you're uh, a podcasting man um you're you're you are one half of master of one um and master of one isn't really one podcast either it's it, 
it's many podcasts. Tell, tell us a little bit about it and uh, tell us how it kind of developed from, I mean, I'm, I'm saying this because we, we've actually chatted about this in real life, which is, I'm just saying it up here. Um, tell us how it developed. <laughs> tell us how you got to the point where you did with it. So I, I uh, two buddies, we would talk, we, we had very uh, similar interests, uh, which we kind of call a uh, creative pop culture. Uh, that's that's kind of the interest. So TVs and film, toys and games, uh, art and design. And uh, we enjoyed talking about it. And uh, we, uh, in a uh, very, you know, egotistical state, just assumed other people would also love to hear us talk about it. And uh, so initially, we, we started the show doing just that. And uh, shortly after we actually moved to different parts of the country, uh, America being a big place, you know, I was, uh, Andrew was a um, 14 and a half hour drive one direction, and Luke was a 12 hour drive the other direction. And so podcasting then shifted to a way that we would stay in touch with each other. And uh, and then it's just kind of morphed from then. Uh, the early episodes, which hopefully aren't online anywhere and you can't find them, were just, uh, <laughs> the you know, the three of us hanging out and talking. And uh, we, we had our first guest and, and we realized that, oh, people are actually really nice and really generous with their time and they they love to talk about themselves which is fun for us and uh so we uh kind of stopped talking to each other we decided to open up and talk to other people and since then we've interviewed about 500 uh designers creatives and these are people from graffiti artists to cloth sculpture artists it's totally a thing and it's amazing look up lana crooks to uh typographers illustrators uh, again graphic designers ui ux people just all over the board you know one of the interviews we're doing next month is uh, we're gonna go interview this uh group of girls that produces stools like uh stools you know that you sit on um which is also totally art and awesome and cool so anyway so that that's what we do so it it has split up now i am a i love film that's my thing so uh, i have a, a film podcast called after the film and then we have another one called the art department which andrew does and then we have another that's pop culture roundtable which is where we kind of talk about gallery shows coming up board game releases all that type of stuff but anyway m of one dot network is where you can find all those past uh, shows or at m of one podcast on any of the socials um instagram twitter facebook all that kind of stuff uh you can find us as well and then m of one dot network forward slash slack or forward slash family will take you to our slack channel and you can join and you can uh you know be a part of the discussion but honestly we just you know we were trying to make money with it at one point and we realized that we don't care if we make any money with it. We just enjoy talking to people, and we would do this stuff even if there wasn't a microphone in front of us. <laughs> and so we've kind of given up on trying to make money, and now we just do the thing we already enjoy doing. So it's uh, it barely. I'm just that's my way of saying we're lazy. That's what I'm trying to communicate. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's you know it's uh, it's it's one of those things that we're not trying to do this for our uh elevation you know for for our status we're just doing this because we love it and if other people love it then we want to find those people and technology is at such a point that you know i can sit down with people that you know live several time zones away and we can talk to each other uh how awesome is that so we want to find artists and gamers and all that kind of stuff to talk to awesome that's awesome i mean uh, you, you say you, you 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 know you've been very very modest there and and, and describe yourselves as lazy but i mean interviewing 500 people there's nothing lazy about that i'm uh, <laughs> i'm i'm impressed then, then the last thing to talk about because you you've you've covered everything so succinctly there is where what what kind of role does does do, do podcasts play in your kind of personal life like where where do you listen to podcasts what kind of things 
things do you listen to? Has that changed over time? Has it? Has it? Has, because I think I, I mean I, I don't know if I'm speaking for you as well here, Jack, but like doing a podcast especially for us doing a podcast about podcasts has like definitely changed what i listen to and when i listen to it yeah big time 100 percent. so how does that work for you patrick well i'm certainly it just ruins anything you once loved um <laughs> you know it's it's funny people have different perspectives i i'm trying to remember i think it was kings of leon uh a couple of their members who said they would try purposely to not listen to anyone else's music but their own that way it wouldn't ruin their creative process um (laughs) and i think there's similar people i want to say it was welcome wagon was a group that they would like take these old like standards and hymns and things like that but they didn't know how to play music so they like they didn't know how to read music so they just made up their own music (laughs) and uh and then at that point it was just it was that was just the way they did it. And so there's I there's part of me that um I I do like the diversity of having someone that's that's deeply knowledgeable, but then also kind of having someone that's the kind of the casual observer who you can kind of inform and speak to. And so I take on that role with some of the people we talk to. So I purposely try to avoid some stuff. That way I can ask the the obvious questions that may not be obvious to the expert. Uh Um, But with other things, I do need to be the expert. So I need to make sure that I'm really investing time and energy into learning about them. So, uh, and then, you know, Andrew, who I I podcast with, he gets to take on that casual observer role. So it hasn't, you know, in some ways, I've been intentional about letting it not change my involvement in the subject matter. Now, when it comes to actually listening to shows, I actually find it really incredibly challenging to listen to a podcast and work. I just, my my brain will not do both yeah. those things because yeah. I would just end up not working and just listening to the podcast. And so I've kind of had to relegate it to car rides that are more than 30 minutes. That's like, mm-hmm. that's when I put on a podcast. So tomorrow I'm actually taking like a 14 hour trip and uh, I'm going to finish up season four of Revisionist History. And then uh, I'm going to find another show to start listening to. So, but that's, um, you know, it's kind of few and far between. So I actually don't listen to a ton of shows. Uh, but that's mainly because when I'm, you know, thinking about podcasts, I'm typically thinking about my podcast. So <laughs> I, I guess that in this scenario, I'm the Kings of Leon. I don't know. But, yeah. <laughs> 14 hour trip. Where are you headed? Yeah, uh, to my parents' house. So again, the United States being huge like it is, I, I live in the southern central part of Texas, and I'm just going to Georgia, which is like four states away. But to get four states away is going to take me 14 hours. So <laughs> te- Texas by itself, if you drove from the far west to the far east, would take you like 22 hours to drive across. Like that's how big this state is. Wow. So uh, it's pretty nuts. It's pretty yeah. nuts. If you drive 14 hours where we are, you're in the sea, like any direction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, <true>. exactly. <laughs> Especially it's south. True. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if you if you drive fourteen hours south from where we are, you're you're in France. You're in France. Somewhere. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you if you've made it, if your if your car's got that far, um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Don't try that. Well. Patrick, thank you so much for for coming on and being so generous with your time and your thoughts and ideas and and giving us a really good podcast to talk about and listen to. We really appreciate it. It's been great. No, I, yeah. I appreciate it. Y'all, y'all two are both great. So obviously, Freddie, I know you, and uh, of course, uh, I I think highly of you, Jack. It's great to meet you. 
such so a pleasure awesome to meet you for the first time. So, and I'm uh, yeah. and I'm very excited for all the things coming up in your life that we got to talk about before we started recording. Yes, <laughs> thank you so much. Well, that's very kind. Um, you you mentioned uh, some some links to find Master One on online. Can you just mention them again for us? Yeah, so mof1.network. So it's M-O-F, the number one, dot network. Basically, everything's there. Um, Latest episode will be at the top. And then under that will just be a nice row of social icons you can click on. And then below that is the full episode archive. Uh, But if if you're on the Instagram app right now and you just can't wait another second or take another (laughs) click, just type in uh, mof1podcast. That's the same for Twitter instagram probably facebook maybe something else i don't know just try it there might be a live journal or a myspace i have no idea wow <laughs> cool and old school yeah um we are not we don't have this kind of web yeah. history or ubiquity anywhere <laughs> but if people want to tweet us we're at episode underscore party um you can also email us if you're not on twitter so we're hello at episode dot party and you can find uh, all of our show notes for this show including links to master of one uh at www.episode.party and i think that just about does us so um i've been freddie harrison i've been jack tutor and i'm still patrick and he's still patrick so (laughs) thanks very much goodbye bye see ya hey everyone freddie here if you like the show and like listening to us recommending podcasts then do us a favour and recommend this podcast to a friend of yours. Um, If you know someone who's in the market for a new podcast or is just getting started in the world of podcasts and wants to find some new shows to listen to, why not recommend Episode Party? They can tune in, they can download a few episodes and they can find out about all sorts of different podcasts and we'll get a new listener while we're at it. So that'd be really helpful and we'd really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 